0: section 39 of a history of the inquisition of spain volume 3 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by k hand a history of the inquisition of spain volume 3 by henry charles lee book 8 chapter 2 spheres of action moriscos part 1 we have seen that, in the progress of the reconquest, as Moorish territories were successively won, the inhabitants were largely allowed to remain, under guarantees for the free enjoyment of their religions and customs. These Moudageres, as they were called, formed a most useful portion of the population, through their industry and skill in the arts and crafts. When, in 1368 charles le Mauva of navarre granted to the muda of Tadula a remission of half their taxes for three years in reward of their assistance during his wars especially in fortification and engineering it shows that the conquering race depended on them not merely for manual labor but for the higher branches of applied knowledge as a rule, they were faithful in peace and war during the long centuries of internal strife between the Christians and of struggles with their co-religionists. It was the Jews against whom was directed the growing intolerance of the 15th century, and, in the massacres that occurred, there appears to have been no hostility manifested against the Muda Jures. When Alfonso de Borgia, Archbishop of Valencia, afterwards Calixtus Third supported by cardinal juan de torquemada urged their expulsion on juan the second of aragon although he appointed a term for their exile he reconsidered the matter and left them undisturbed so when in fourteen eighty isabella ordered the expulsion from andalusia of all jews who refused baptism and when in fourteen eighty six ferdinand did the same in aragon they both respected the old capitulations and left the Muda Gerais alone the time-honored policy was followed in the conquest of granada and nothing could be more liberal than the terms conceded to the cities and districts that surrendered the final capitulation of the city of granada was a solemn agreement signed november twenty fifth fourteen ninety one in which ferdinand and isabella for themselves for their son, the Infante Juan, and for all their successors, received the Moors of all places that should come into the agreement as vassals and natural subjects under the royal protection, and as such to be honored and respected. Religion, property, freedom to trade, laws, and customs were all guaranteed, and even renegades from Christianity among them were not to be maltreated, while Christian women marrying Moors were free to choose their religion for three years those desiring expatriation were to be transported to barbary at the royal expense and refugees in barbary were allowed to return when after the execution of this agreement the moors with not unnatural distrust wanted further guarantees the sovereigns made a solemn declaration in which they swore by god that all moors should have full liberty to work on their lands or to go wherever they desired through the kingdoms and to maintain their mosques and religious observances as heretofore while those who desired to emigrate to Barbary could sell their property and depart. It was the wise, traditional policy of incorporating the conquered population in the State, on an equal footing with other subjects, and trusting to time to merge them all into a common mass, holding one faith and owing allegiance to one country. Whether it was distrust of Christian good faith that impelled them, or a natural desire to leave the scene of their defeat, a large portion of the Grenadan Moors, Including most of the nobles, promptly availed themselves of the right of expatriation. Before the year 1492 was out, it was reported to the sovereigns that the Aben Saranges had gone, almost in a body, and that in the Alpujarras few were left save laborers and officials. The emigration continued, and in 1498 a letter of Ferdinand indicates that he was inclined to stimulate it while there might be good reasons for diminishing the large population of those recently vanquished who presumably might cherish hopes of independence and had not forgotten the bitterness of unsuccessful struggle this was accompanied with a readiness to increase the number of Mudéjares who had adapted themselves to the situation and who were regarded as in every way a desirable element in the community when manuel of portugal expelled the moors who refused baptism Ferdinand and isabella welcomed them to spain royal letters were issued april twentieth fourteen ninety seven permitting their entrance with all their property either to settle or in transit to other lands they were taken under the royal protection and all molestation of them was forbidden up to this time at least there was no recognition of the political necessity of unity of faith which subsequently served as jurisdiction for cruel intolerance and unwise statesmanship Yet the statesmanship of the day, if not yet prepared to regard unity of faith as a political necessity, considered it politically advantageous, while pious zeal inevitably sought the salvation of the multitudes of souls thus brought under Christian rule. The third king of Spain, González de Mendoza, cardinal archbishop of Toledo, and other prelates at the court, urged upon the sovereigns that gratitude to God required them to give their new subjects the alternative of baptism or exile. Ferdinand and Isabella, however, turned a deaf ear to this advice, either not caring to break the faith so recently pledged, or to provoke another war. The work of conversion had already been commenced with fair prospects of success, and it could safely be left to time. Isabella's confessor, the saintly Hernando de Talavera, had been made archbishop of Granada. He was devoting his revenues and his tireless labors to missionary work, inculcating Christianity by example more potent than precept. He relieved suffering he preached and he taught all who would listen to him he required his assistants to learn arabic and he acquired it himself he won many converts and there was a flattering prospect that his apostolic methods would bring the mass of the population into the fold the process however was too slow for the impatience that looked for immediate results ferdinand and isabella were in granada from july until november 1499 and called in jimenez to the aid of talavera his extraordinary energy and imperious temper soon made themselves felt with liberal presence he gained the favor of the principal moors he held conferences with the Alfaquias whom he induced to instruct their people and it is said that on december eighteenth three thousand were baptized and the mosque of the albacine or moorish quarter was consecrated as the church of san salvador the stricter Moslems became alarmed and endeavored to check the movement by persuasion, whereupon Jimenez had them imprisoned in chains. He summoned the alfa to surrender all their religious books, of which five thousand, many of them priceless specimens of art, were publicly burnt. The situation was becoming strained, the Moors were restive under the disregard of their guarantees, and Jimenez grew more and more impetuous. Rupture under these conditions was inevitable, and Jimenez soon brought it about christian renegades known as the elches were protected under the capitulations but he argued that this did not extend to their children who if not baptized ought to have been and who thus were subject to the inquisition from the inquisitor-general deza he procured a delegation of power to deal with them and used it for their arrest it chanced that a young daughter of a renegade thus arrested while being dragged through the plaza of bib el cried out that she was to be forcibly baptized in violation of the capitulations the crowd collected and from words soon came to blows the alguazil was slain with a paving stone and his companion escaped only by a moorish woman conveying him away and hiding him under a bed the agitation increased the moors flew to arms skirmished with the christians and besieged jimenez in his house he had a guard of two hundred men who defended the place until morning when the captain-general tendia came from the alhambra with troops and drove away the mob for ten days talavera Jiménez, and tendia parlayed with the moors who urged that they had not risen against the sovereigns but in defence of the royal faith that the officials had violated the capitulations the observance of which would restore peace then talavera with his chaplain and a few unarmed servants went to the plaza bib El Beno, where the moors kissed the hem of his garments as of old tendia followed and promised pardon if they should lay down their arms as it should be understood that they were not in revolt but had only sought to maintain the capitulations which should be strictly observed in the future the city became quiet those who had slain the alguazil were surrendered and four of them were hanged the moors cast aside their arms and returned to work with such a population, kindness and fair dealing alone were required to accomplish the desired results. but the inflexible temper of Jimenez had been aroused, and he was resolved on the forcible accomplishment of his purpose. The rumours of the disturbance had greatly alarmed the court at Seville, and Jimenez was bitterly reproached. but he hurried thither, gave his own version of the affair, and pointed out that the Moors had forfeited life and property by rebellion, so that pardon should be conditioned on accepting baptism or expatriation with fatal facility his arguments were accepted tendia's promises were ignored the capitulations were cast aside the moors were taught how little reliance was to be placed on the christian faith distrust and hatred were to be rendered ineradicable and a religion was to be forced upon them which could not be but odious as the visible sign of their subjection from this false step sprang the incurable trouble which weakened Spain until statesmanship could devise no remedy, save the deplorable expulsion of the most useful and efficient portion of her population. It was not without reason that the admiring biographer of Jimenez admits that, so imperious was his temper that he sometimes acted through fury rather than through prudence, as was seen in the conversion of the Granadan Moors and in the attempt to conquer Africa. He returned to Granada, armed with full powers, and offered to the people the alternative of baptism or punishment, while a royal judge, sent for the purpose, sharpened their apprehension by executing or imprisoning the more active of the rioters. The choice was readily made, and they came forward in thousands for the saving waters of baptism. Instruction in the new faith was impossible, nor was it wanted. When they asked for it in their own language, and Talavara had the offices and parts of the Gospels printed in Arabic, Jimenez objected. It was, he said, casting pearls before swine. It was in the nature of the vulgar to despise what they could understand, and to reverence that which was mysterious and beyond their comprehension. He cared little for heartfelt conversion so long as he could secure outward conformity. The number thus rudely inducted into the faith in the city and the vega was estimated at from fifty to seventy thousand and the process which converted them could result only in undying hate for the religion thus forced upon them although no outbreak occurred during this forcible missionary work the discontent which it excited was threatening and ferdinand returned to granada where he made no secret of his displeasure at the imprudent zeal of jimenez especially as it interfered with his designs on naples these had to be postponed to meet the eminent danger at home for although emigration had been large many had taken refuge in the alpuharas and were exciting the mountaineers to revolt to meet this he wrote january twenty seventh fifteen hundred to the leading moors assuring them that all reports that they were to be christianized by force were false and pledging the royal faith that not a single compulsory baptism would be made to reconcile those who had been baptized and to tract others he issued february twenty seventh a general pardon to all new christians for crimes committed prior to baptism and renouncing his claims to confiscation meanwhile he had been engaged in raising an army as large as though the conquest was to be repeated and with this he was engaged during the rest of the year in quelling the revolts which broke out in one place after another supplementing military operations with friars despatched through the mountains to instruct the converts massacre and baptism went hand in hand until the alpujarras were pacified and the army was disbanded january fourteenth fifteen o one then there came trouble in the western districts of ronda and the sierra bermeja where the mountaineers rose in dread of enforced conversion another army was raised which suffered a severe defeat at Caladui. this brought a pause during which the insurgents asked to be allowed to emigrate Ferdinand drove a hard bargain with them, demanding ten doblas for the passage money, and requiring those who could not pay this to remain and submit to baptism. The baptized lowlanders, who had taken to the mountains, were allowed to return home, surrendering their arms and suffering confiscation. Large numbers escaped to Africa, but more remained to curse the faith thus imposed on them. To these new Christians, as we have seen, expatriation was forbidden." baptism imposed an indelible character and incorporation with the church subjected them to a jurisdiction which could not be shaken off it was vitally important that these new christians should be interfused with the rest of the population with the same rights and privileges so that in time they might form a contented whole but this was not to be one wrong always breeds another the disregard of compacts and the violent methods of conversion inevitably rendered them objects of suspicion and an edict of september 1st 1501 prohibited the new converts from bearing or possessing arms publicly or secretly under penalty for a first offence of confiscation and two months imprisonment and of death for a second an edict which was repeated in 1511 and again in 1515 not only was this a bitter humiliation, but a serious infliction, at a time when weapons were a necessity for self-protection. There was, however, another distinction between the classes favorable to the new Christians, for it was provided that, for forty years, they should not be subjected to the Inquisition, in order that they might have full time to acquire knowledge of their new faith. Yet, like all other promises, this was made only to be broken it was thus in less than ten years after the capitulation that the moors of granada found themselves to be christians in defiance of the pledges so solemnly given such a commencement could have but one result and we shall see its outcome something might be urged in palliation of this forcible propaganda in that it was unpremeditated and brought about in the turbulence of a settlement between hostile races and religions and that those who rejected conversion were allowed to depart all this was lacking in the next step towards enforcing unity of faith we have seen how the mudejares of castile were loyal and contented subjects living under compacts centuries old which guaranteed them the full enjoyment of their religion and laws to disturb this and convert them by a flagrant breach of faith into plotting domestic enemies without even a colorable pretext would appear to be an act of madness yet it was this that isabella was led to do under the influence of her ghostly counsellors among whom jimenez can probably be reckoned as the most influential in bringing about the conversion of granada he had cared for little beyond outward conformity and this could be secured among the scattered and peaceful Mudéjares without encountering the risk attending the attempt among the mountaineers of the alpujarras while subsequently the inquisition could be depended upon for what might be lacking in religious conviction God should no longer be insulted by infidel rights in Spain, and the land could not fail to be blessed when thus united in the true faith. Such we may assume to have been the reasoning which led Isabella to a measure so disastrous. That Ferdinand's practical sense disapproved of it may be inferred from the fact that, when he talked of similar action in Aragon, he readily yielded to the remonstrances of his nobles. Persuasion, backed by threats, was first essayed instructions were sent to the royal officials that the Mudahares must adopt christianity and when the corregidor of cordova replied that force would be necessary the sovereigns replied september twenty seventh, 1501 that this was inadmissible as it would scandalize them they were to be told that it was for the good of their souls and the service of the king and queen and if this proved insufficient they could be informed that they would have to leave the kingdom for it was resolved that no infidels should remain but four years had elapsed since the refugee moors from Portugal had been invited to settle in Castile, and this sudden change of policy shows what influences had been brought to bear on Isabella during that brief interval. This tentative measure seems to have met with success so slender that more stringent methods were recognized as necessary, and on February twelfth, fifteen 1502, a pragmatica was issued, shrewdly framed to give at least the appearance of voluntary action to the expected conversion it alluded to the scandal of permitting infidels to remain after the conversion of granada to the gratitude due to god which would fitly be shown by the expulsion of his enemies and to the protection of the new christians from contamination all moors were therefore ordered to leave the kingdoms of leon and castile by the end of april abandoning their children the males under fourteen and the females under twelve years of age who were to be detained the exiles were allowed to carry with them their property except gold and silver and other prohibited articles there was nothing said as to an alternative of baptism, but the conditions of departure rendered expatriation so difficult that it was self-evident that there was no intention of losing so valuable a portion of the population. Under pain of death and confiscation, exiles were to sail only from ports of Biscay. They were not allowed to go to Navarre or to the kingdoms of Aragon, as there was war with the Turks and with the Moors of Africa. They were not to seek refuge with either, but were told that they might go to Egypt or to any other land that they might select they were never to return nor were moors ever to be admitted to the Castilian kingdoms under penalty of death and confiscation and anyone harboring them after april was threatened with confiscation one exception was made in favor of masters of moorish slaves who were not deprived of them but they were to be distinguished by the perpetual wearing of fetters the involuntary character of the conversion which ensued is revealed in the fact that when zealous muslims in spite of almost insuperable obstacles preferred to risk the perils of emigration they were not allowed to do so but were forced to become christians during the brief interval allowed there was some pretense of preaching and instruction and as it neared its end the mudahares were baptized in masses a report from avila april 24th to the sovereigns says that the whole alhama consisting of two thousand souls will be converted and none will depart in barajos we are told that the bishop alfonso de manrique the future inquisitor-general won them over by kindness so that they were all baptized and took his name of manrique thus externally at least the kingdoms of the crown of castile enjoyed unity of faith but this was not accompanied with the desirable assimilation of the population the new converts continued to form a class apart and came to be known by the distinctive name of moriscos end of section 39